Thanks for tuning in to Pink Noise. This is your host, Barry Sherry. And today I'm going to start with a story. A story about an organization here in Seattle started by Megan McNally back in 2017 called the F-Bomb Breakfast Club. It's a peer support group for female founders and women business owners. (laughs) She likes to say, we talk like truckers and build badass companies. Hence the name F-Bomb. Meeting at the ass crack of dawn once a month on Friday mornings. There's now 3,400 plus members in this organization. And after launching in January of 2017, by February, they're already having incredible speakers like the success bully, Keita Williams, talking about getting out of your head and getting out of your own way. And people like Sherilyn Crowthers talking about shutting down our inner fraud alert. Those are just some of the topics that this group dives into in support of helping each other launch, grow, and survive in our businesses. And I first discovered them in that summer and started going to meetings in the fall as I had just started working for myself as a business development consultant in the art and design space. That was where my career had been rooted for decades prior. And I was looking for allies to feel less alone as a solopreneur. And their monthly themes supported my knowledge through every sector of business. Budgets and accounting, inventory, customer service, social media marketing, brand strategy. And then there were the always fun pitches to bitches where a select group of business owners got practice standing in front of a crowd of 100 plus to pitch what it is they needed that would make their business grow to the next level. And where Megan is making a huge impact, in my humble opinion, is in her commitment to the Black, Indigenous, and women of color members of this community Her 2020 commitment to become more consistent and transparent in paying women for their contributions to F-Bomb. And throughout the year, she had weekly posts specific to the BiWalk members so that they could be heard, their business stories, their professional asks. And it was in one of these posts that I met Kanako Matsumoto. She is the founder and CEO of a business driven by compassion And it's her goal to make compassion a number one business philosophy as she builds a trusted community for working parents. Her story is about building a community based on trust and commitment. It's the idea that we all need backup. Anybody here watch About a Boy, that Hugh Grant movie from 2002? It's about an adult loner with excess cash who believes he can survive on his own island. He called it Ibiza. (laughs) He had no attachments and only cared about himself until he met this odd 12-year-old boy in desperate need of backup. We human beings are hardwired for connection and belonging. And if you immigrate to another country, you need to build family where you are. By definition... I'm an immigrant. 
just like my guest today, but the big difference is 5,000 air miles and a serious set of circumstances that separate her from her family of origin. It's a privilege for me to share her ideas and the ripple effect it's created in her neighborhood. Welcome to the show, Kanako. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. It's very exciting to be able to speak to you and all the audience that are listening to your radio. Wonderful. Your story of building community really inspired me. Your commitment to paying it forward to local businesses where you live. And I'd love to start there. I had a, a challenge in the December that we actually just finished in, uh, um, in the December in holiday time. It's called the 15-day challenge to serve the community. We took on pay it forward. And what this was that um, we found the local coffee sh- uh, stand, basically, in the Skyway neighborhood in South Seattle. Many people talked about this um, owner-operator who owns the, uh, the coffee stand uh, being a very community-minded, uh, and that really attracted my, you know, myself and say, hey, maybe this um, business owner, there might be something we can do to help him to attract more customers, but also just, you know, just pay back to the community. So we decided that, uh, and then this is at the same time, the stimulus check came into our bank bank account. Uh, so we said, how about if I take $100? I know that's not that much. There's something we might be able to do. Well, $100, you can actually buy, let's say 20 cups of coffee. So I started, uh, okay, I'm gonna take $100 out of this stimulus check and then, go to the uh, coffee stand. By the way, I don't drink coffee. So I don't really ever go to the coffee shop, uh, I mean, including Starbucks. I don't, because I'm a tea drinker and I don't take caffeine. So I'm very specific about what I drink. So I don't, I'm not really used to going to the coffee stand, but I know that many people in the community loves coffee. I'm so fascinated by why you picked a coffee stand to support as someone who doesn't drink coffee. Right. It it just seems to me that was a very, I don't know, because of the hundred dollars, the amount was small. And, but then if it's small, the coffee typically about $5 per cup, maybe expensive ones that I thought that then at least then I can have a more, um, I don't know, they maybe contributing 20 or more than 10 cups of coffee or customers, how you count it. So that's kind of my thought was, because I couldn't, I don't think that I, I was able to afford uh, restaurant price to part, I mean, purchase the uh, dinner for multiple people, but a coffee stand, I thought, well, at least $100 will, you know, at least 20, 20 people, um, buy a cups of coffee. So that's why we started. It sounds like you were looking to make an impact. Exactly. So we, we wanted to have a surprise, some kind of element of a surprise because people like that. And then kind of elementary surprise comes with a little bit of a smile on people's faces by giving, buying the customers, buying his customers coffee so that they can have a, a good day. 
So that was the thoughts behind it. And how did the customer receive the free cup of coffee that you gifted through the Pay It Forward program? We talked to the owner uh, of the coffee stand and we gave them actually a card that we created. And on the card, we asked him, when you, we wanna buy 20 cups of coffee. And then each time you buy a coffee for your customer, please give this card. So then on the card, we wrote, hey, um, you are the recipient of this neighborhood uh, pay forward program. And it, to, to keep this uh, program going, we, we asked them to do the four things, one of four things, or all of them, all of above. Say, hey, please support this coffee, coffee stand or tell your friends to support this coffee stand. Or you can pay it forward and so that it did to, and then donate your money to this program so that this will keep going. And the last one was, or just, you know, just to put a smile on your face and enjoy your day. According to uh, the owner of the stand and told me that, that at first people are like, what? Why are you buying me a coffee? What's going on? And then, but then as soon as they, you know, he gave that card to the customer who received the coffee, he was like, oh, and then they are very, just, they're like, oh, thank you. Now I understand. So that really well received by his customer. And he said that it went on about hundred people. So, so your $100 that you took from your stimulus check ended up impacting 100 people who got a free coffee from the local cafe. Right, exactly. Well, what I did was after I committed to wrote $100 check to him, I actually asked community people and say, hey, does anyone wants to join me? And actually there's a two people who contributed to that too. We started with $100, we ended up with $200. So we are able to buy 40 cups of coffee, which went on, chain reaction went on to 100 customers. The owner reported back to us that that went really, really well. So he was very happy. How did that feel that you were responsible for bringing that much joy to people locally? I felt that was wonderful because that was a time that still, you know, whole, this country was in this, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It was a very chaotic situation. And it's people are, you know, have a lot of different opinions and disagreements, but in that middle of that, I felt like, well, there, I, there are a hundred people out there who had a smile on their face. I know it's a small, but I felt like I had a lot of impact on somebody's life to make a better day. And then that started from, you know, $100 plus the really great outstanding community members with donations. You don't have to be a wealthy per individual to do a small act that make people's lives better. And so that, I, that really realized myself that, hey, Conoco, you can't keep doing this. In, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not gonna be something that you may not be able to save world, but if someone's life is a little better today than yesterday, why not? 
So I decided that I'm going to do this every month. I'm hoping that there will be another stimulus check coming, but, but I kept my stimulus check because of this. So I think at least I can afford $100 each month. So I'm actually um, in search of another local business that are who I can support to start doing again. So I kind of was thinking about that today. And I'm curious why it's so important to you to show up in this way. Because I, I don't know what, what exactly, but I feel like that's my life mission to help people. That is where it's coming from because a lot of people help me to get here, the where I am right now, the where, how I, I live. I mean, I'm not really looking for the huge gratitude expression and stuff like that, but, but still when I feel like if I know I help somebody um, and then I know that the, that one action, small action did make some even small differences, it's, it's a huge thing for me because in one, I think in all of us in our life, there is, there is a moment where it's little things kind of created whole new avenue in your life that you woke up and say, wow, I didn't never know that. I know I can do this. Or I think there's a lot of experience that all of us have that. Just a little thing just opens up to so much potential or opportunity. And and that's what I'm kind of looking for. And I think that you can't really take granted. I can just say, hey, I can't do, I don't have money, so I can't do anything. Or I don't have time, so I can't do anything. I think you can. There's a little only, if you have a 15 minutes in a month, I mean, that moment, I think you can make a difference in the world. And that proved it to me that, I mean, all those things that I have done last two months has really proved to myself that you can make a difference with a small gesture. You, you said earlier uh, that it was important to you because people helped you Mm-hmm. get where you are. And so uh, what kind of what kind of help did you need? I think it, and this was kind of a little go back to the, my upbringing. But when I was struggled as a young woman, uh, there was a person who was a university professor who kind of basically didn't judge me and then they gave, you know, extended her hand said, hey, you're, you're, you're a good person and you're smart and you can do this. That without this person, that person, I wouldn't be here or I wouldn't be able to have that life that I have right now. So I always kind of remember that. That's just that's why I, I think it's important for me to um, pay back. Where where would you be if you weren't here? Well, probably I'm stuck in Japan. I, I may not even alive. That's because I was so sad when I was living in Japan. I'm I'm getting a sense from you, um, Kanako, that that there's something really core in who you are that makes these acts of giving so meaningful. And you talked briefly about your uh, growing up in Japan and making your way here with the help of a professor at school, mm-hmm. and. And so you, you said you came here and you knew no one. And that must have been such a 
leap of faith, such a courageous act to leave your home country. Why was that so important to you? Because I wanted to change my life. Because I, I think I wanted to control my life myself. I grew up in Japan. Uh, being a woman, uh, being a girl, it was such a disadvantage in the society. I grew up being told that a, a woman don't, you know, women don't need education. All they have to do is just to find a good husband, get married. And education is not, it is actually disadvantage because the men don't like smart women. So that was my upbringing. And, it, it, and I literally thought that my life was nothing. Why was I born? I wanted to die. I just didn't have enough courage to kill myself. And I already knew that, I mean, my household, um, the experience that I was growing up, it just, it was nothing but tension because my father was a, a very abusive alcoholic. And I just never know when he's going to throw table, you know, and then trash everything. And that was a fear that I was living every single day. And then my intention was that when I get to be 18, I'm going to get out of this house. I didn't really care if I went to some other parts of Japan, but I, that somehow this path to America presented to my, to, in front of me. And then this professor helped me to get here. So I decided that I, well, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's a different place. And I don't really care where it is. I'm just going to get on the airplane and go. How, how old were you when you left everything behind, including 20, your... 20, 1920. And you had siblings? I have a two siblings, both of my younger brothers. And, you know, they are treated different than I did when I was growing up. The Japanese men really don't communicate a lot. So we, we don't really talk much about that. But I always felt like I was treated differently on um, every single day of my life when I was growing up because I'm the one who has to clean up. I'm the one who has to cook. I'm the one who has to do this and this and that. And then I saw my, my, my you know, brothers, are, even though they're younger, but still I know they are capable of doing certain things, but they were never asked to do that. And I just felt like, why, why, why am I doing this all the time? What, what, and then as a child, just, you know, you ask, you ask the question yourself and then, and then you ask your mom or grandma, um, but then they'll say, well, because you're a girl. And that was the answer. And what was that like to hear? Oh, I hated being a girl. I wanted to be a boy. And at some point, I think as a child, I think I pretended that I was a boy because I didn't want to be a girl. And I wanted to change my name so that I, I, I wanted, it sounded like a more boy name. And it, it, there's a lot of things in my head as a child because I just thought that a, a being a girl is such a, a disadvantage. You said that you're 
your only purpose was to find a good husband and then take care of him, that getting an education was a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And so what did your father do when you wanted to go to university? So here's what happened. In Japan, you really need to go to the Korean school after school to study, to get to the university. And I asked my parents to say, can I go to those schools so that I can study and then go to college? And then they said, no, we're not paying for that. You don't, you don't need it because you're not going to college. My life is much better that I immigrated to this country. And I do really appreciate all the opportunity that I was able to get. Because I wasn't born here. But um, as a person, a young woman who came to the United States with nothing and was able to school, go to school, I got a student loan. I wasn't a taxpayer when I was growing up, right? Because I was a foreign person, but I was able to get a, a student loan, finish my schooling, and you know, got a professional career and then able to buy a house. The life that I was given here in the United States, it's just that I'm so appreciative of the opportunity that I was given. And I know that I didn't, I can't, I couldn't do this by myself. There are so many people who helped me along the way. And, and then it, it just, it, it's more so than you feel, you feel good about yourself when you're helping somebody. Yeah. And so you've, you've done a few projects now. Yes, I did. And yeah. Uh, do you want to share a few more? Yeah. So of your uh, pay it for stories. Yeah. Ford. So the pay Ford basically it was, a, it was this January, a month before in December, I did the 15 day community challenge. So that was the time that in December, in a holiday season, all of us were stuck in a house couldn't really travel like we used to do because of the pandemic and then um we didn't know what what this holiday season looked like and all that so, so and then my husband was followed in November and he was pretty down about it in order to have it just it's, it's, I just we needed some kind of project as a family so we decided that uh, uh we we asked our neighbors um, in the Buy Nothing website and say, hey, what can we do to help you today for 15 days each day from, I think it was December 9th through 23rd. And then we told them that, hey, um, anything is fine. Just, just tell, tell us. You know, even like, what is your wish? There's a one wish you want you, you want to come true today. What would that be? Don't 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 be afraid. You just be honest. And then I told them you can just privately message me, and then, then I'll listen, and then I'll tell you if I can or if I'm not able to uh, provide that to you. Um, whatever that it is, then I'll be honest about it. But I do. We do. I mean, my family would our best to make it happen. First one day, first day, there was somebody, just one person, you know, say, hey, well, actually, in the first day, the people are like, what? What is this person? That's odd. Nobody asked that. Um, and then, but then there's a first person um, pointed out, uh, well, commented in the comment section, said, yes, I need a help. And I said, okay, yeah, please, just, just 
email me or uh, message me. And, and then here's a person who is single mom with a two-year-old girl who asked me to buy sugar, flour, and butter. And I asked her, what? That's all you need? And she said, yeah, I'm single mom and limited income, and I would like to bake, but I don't have ingredients. And so I said, yeah, sure, of course. But can you be really honest? What can I do, really? What make you happy? I said, but just try me. And then she said, I need a stand-up mixer that bakers use. And then I was like, wait a minute. I have one in my garage. It's been sitting there for several years. And it just dawned on me, like, I'm, like I said, I'm not a baker. I don't bake. But I, somehow I think I bought this particular blender about five, seven years ago, um, used one from a Craigslist or something. And I just, I probably used probably five times. And now it's sitting in a garage. So I was like, wait a minute, I have one. So I went into the garage and here enough, sure enough, I had one. So then I cleaned it and I took a picture and I uh, sent it to her. And she goes, OMG, <laughs> this is what I wanted. And then it's like, well, it's yours. She wanted to start baking more because that was her hobby. And that's what she wanted to do. And so, but then she couldn't really do without the big blender in order to make lots of batches of, uh, you know, doughs and all that stuff for the cookie. But then now this uh, blender shows up and she's like, oh my gosh, this is the what I wanted. So I cleaned it up and then deliver that to her along with the uh, butters and flowers and sugars. And uh, I asked our neighbors, hey, neighbor who's baker said, do you have anything extra, extra sugars, anything? And she said, oh yeah. And then she gave me a 10, uh, I don't know, 10 pounds sugar too. So I took everything and then, and she was so happy about it. And then, then you know, and then that right next day, she put a huge gratitude post. This changed my life, she said. I feel like I can't start my life again. And then, and then from there, she basically, she's almost there to start her own business now after two months. She got the business license. She's looking for the commercial kitchen. It's amazing. And so that really made me feel like, wow, that's the power of what, is, what do you call that? It, it just the little things that are really have a multiplication effect. And that, that day, that was second day of our 15 day challenge. And we felt like, wow, I think we almost, like, we almost wanted to cry. So from there on with my husband, I said, hey, this is it. We're gonna be committing next two weeks. And then my husband's like, in the first beginning, he was, she was like, what, what are you doing and this and that? And then, but then as soon as we start seeing the effects our, of our actions, we're like, we, got, we have to do this. And I, I totally want to hear more stories. So yes, please. And what I'm really struck by is the thing she <clears throat> needed was sitting in your garage. And 
I did an episode with my friend Harmony Hasbrook and I called her the reinvention specialist because she's launched a business called Rejoy. And it begins with individuals wanting to clear out their excess, the things they aren't using, the things from their closets and their garages and their attics and their basements and their cupboards, et cetera. And when she does that, she then makes them available for other people who need them. And she's got a warehouse now where they get stored Mm. and creating relationships with nonprofits. And she began her business by doing a post on the Buy Nothing Now group and saying, I'm looking for five volunteers who want a part of their house reorganized. And the amount of things that came out of that, that they didn't need anymore, immediately got regifted to other people in the community. Mm-hmm. And the amount of joy that happened in the re-giving, just like you experience with this blender, it's absolutely remarkable, it, the it difference is. that it can make for someone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. Because we always think, oh, we don't. And then here's the thing about yeah people say well but you can take it to goodwills and you can pick it to the valley village yes definitely that's another good donations as well but i think most of the people that told me that people who are giving those things they'll like to know kind of like almost know who these things are going to and then in the buy nothing and that kind of situation you can actually know who's going to, who asked for it and then who's going to be using that. It's so true. I, I sold my house last year mm-hmm. that I owned with my ex-husband mm-hmm. and I was downsizing considerably and had so many treasures to get rid of. And I didn't want to take anything to Goodwill or Value Village. I wanted them to go to people who needed or wanted them. Mm-hmm. And I opened up my house. This was right before COVID. It was March 1st, uh, 2020. And it was just pay what you can. Just every room in the house. I I sequestered the things that weren't available and, you know, and everything else was fair game. And if you like art on the walls, take it and pay what you can. You like some clothes in the closet, great. Pay what you can. Someone even uh, ended up with my piano. (laughs) And it was the most joy. It was absolutely lovely. And I've seen some of the clothes and accessories and things and art show up in photographs uh, of people. And, And it was actually through that process, connecting back to the story about Harmony and Rejoy, I asked for her help when I was trying to clear out my house. And she saw the intention that I had in, in wanting things to go to people who need them. And so I went and visited some uh, homeless shelters near my house and asked for a list of what they actually need and separated the things that I had that met that requirement list and delivered only those things there. And then I took any clothes that were tailored and I thought had any value um, for professional 
uh, working women looking for interviews to dress for success, things like that. And, and you're right. I think it's easier to, to get rid of things when you, when you know where they're going, when you can see that, that joy being transferred. Yeah. Yeah, It's so much more rewarding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I understand that you may not get the receipts there. Here's the donation, but there's a, I mean, the majority of the friends who helped me to donate items from their household when we're doing this 15 day challenge, because we had a lots of lots of requests during the two weeks, especially there was a holiday season. And so how did you fulfill those requests? Well, what I did was I mobilized as much as many as my friends that are available. I called emailed you know and, and then said the close friends of mine that who i think that are very like-minded like i do and so i just say hey so here's a request the people message me and i ask them tell me what you need and i do i do my very best and and then i started calling friends hey do you have this and how did you fulfill the Christmas tree request? And we looked around the Christmas tree farm. It was expensive. It was like a 70 or $80 per tree last season. And we're like, we can't really afford that $80, $70 tree. So then we thought about it. And wait a minute. Well, we live in the Skyway and we have to have a lots of lots of trees in our yard. So even though it, it is not a Douglas farm, that people really, you know, want. We cut one of the better looking trees in our yard and then we put it on the tree stand and then took it to her and say, here's the tree that you can use. I'm sorry, this is not really perfect type of a tree for the Christmas tree, but at least you can hang stuff on there. Something to look at and it smells good. So she, she, she loved it. She, she really appreciated that. So that, that's how we kind of fulfill that. Um, also, there was an older lady who has a, some physical um, limitations, asked, hey, can you come over and then stuck up our uh, firewood that are sitting in the backyard and that we need to have very close to our front yard? And then, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll go. And then my husband, myself, and my son, three of us went together and we spent probably an hour just stucking up the, all the firewood by the, her front door and just piled up so that as much as we can, so she doesn't have to go down up and down the stairs. And that really worked out well. And my, my son was really happy that he was able to help. And I was actually amazed how good he was able to maneuver through the uh, wheelbarrow. <laughs> he was loving it. So we made a really good, that was Saturday. I think we, that was a really good Saturday morning. Three of us as a family helping elderly couple do what they needed. And then we found out that she was also really like-minded person like me. I don't want to say that I inspired her, but she did say it. So I'm going to kind of admit it. I did. <laughs> and so she started by nothing, 365 days giving. That means she's going to do one give a day. 
So she started the challenge. So then other people got inspired. There's at least I know of three or four people doing the exact same thing right now in our neighborhood by nothing. So everyone, maybe every one of them, I think there may be four, they give one item or whatever it is a day. So they're gonna continue on. Look at what your generosity started. Yes. So I was like, what? This is fantastic. It is just amazing how people, there was a chain reaction. Then again, you know, it, it wasn't maybe just that, not us, but there's a whole bunch of other generous people out there too. So, but it, I feel like this it, movement, it's inertia, it just keeps going and it, it, it's, it's wonderful to see. It is wonderful to see. And so you did 15 days of giving and I've heard about the, the mixer and baking supplies, mm -hmm. the Christmas tree, mm -hmm. the moving of the wood so it's more accessible. Um, what else? Oh, then happened? it's an interest. Well, it, it was mostly, you know, because of the Christmas time and in the holiday time, there are lots of gifts that people needed. Um, the parents that are, who are having a hard time under the pandemic needed to, couldn't afford to buy a gift so we, we had a lot of like a, a used or new type of a, um, toys that we actually gave but also this is something interesting there was a toward the end of our 15-day challenge there was a, a family of probably seven or eight she said can you buy me Christmas dinner we can't afford right now. So I said, okay, well, give me the list. What do you need? Just, just don't be shy. Just give it to me. Just, just bring it on. So then I was looking at this and there's eight people in the family. So I was like, okay, I need more money because I can't really afford to all buy all this stuff. And I'm just like, how do I do this? And then next day, there's a Costco gift card of $150 shows up. I mean, this honest God, I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm not making this up. And, and then doesn't have a sender's name on it. So I'm looking at this thing, it's like, what? Who sent me this? Is someone listening to my phone here? Or, you know, like, am I being, hacked here how do they know that this is unbelievable here's a costco card of 150 dollars this is i think this is a sign this is a sign that i had to purchase everything i could for this family to fulfill their dreams i mean their wish of course i went to the costco i bought everything i can i went to wajimaya went to everything they asked for basically i provided the, everything i had that she requested along with the other uh, toys and clothing that uh, I was able to gather for the, her kids. And then about a month later, I get this uh, message in my text said, have you gotten my uh, $150 gift certificate from Costco? And I was like, who is this? <laughs> and, and this is a woman who I helped actually uh, last year. And she said, oh, I just wanted to really say thank you because all the things you did for me. So I just sent it to you. Um, but I just wanted to see if you 
received it, I was like, that was you? <laughs> yes. Do you know how timely it was? You don't believe this. And then so I told her whole story and she was like, oh my gosh, that makes me so happy that you were able to use it in a way that is so meaningful. And I, I thought that I, that was just amazing. It just worked in a mysterious way, but I'm kind of totally believer of this now. I'm loving how many people you've inspired to continue and, to give. And isn't that amazing that I don't really, that was not really my intention to begin with, right? Because this is something that we needed to take on. And I wanted to demonstrate how to even, you may not have a lot of time or money, they just still, you can do to, to, to build a community and sense of the community and helping people. So that was more like for us. So to be able to do something to feel, feel ourselves and it makes us feel better that we're, we're good, you know, participant in a society and then mostly to feel good about ourselves. I think and, and that's how it, in the beginning, how it started. And then, but then as we commit more and more and then, you know, exchange messaging and then, uh, you know, all that stuff and um, talking to people and we started realizing that how there are people who need, seriously need something right now and uh, we're able to fulfill that, even though with unlimited resources. And that was just a eye-opening because that was a challenge. We call it a 15-day challenge. And it, it's not because we, we don't know we're gonna last 15 days. It's more like, can we really go through this with what we have right now? There is a way. If you were committed to do something, there is a way. You were saying that you're, um, husband had time on his hands yep. when he was out of work. And so what was it like for him to be with you through all of these acts of giving? He says that, that this is one of the best things he ever done. He wasn't really feeling good about himself because of the, that he, you know, he got followed and then he, he had too much time on his hand. And it just our society was a little bit of a chaos at that time so he he really didn't feel like wow this is this holiday is not gonna be any better but then once we committed and we really started think about the other people and say what can we do to help other people to make it their day better um, their holiday season better then he really transformed he he just said I can't believe we didn't do this before and he just said, oh, we're going to do this next year again and this year again, because we know we're going to get a lot out of it. It just you feel like there is a very, very meaningful for all of us. Do you think there's a connection to coming over here on your own to uh, wanting to be so involved and community minded in what you're building right now? I think so, definitely, because I, like I said, I really think that, that you never know how what you're encountering with someone. You never know what kind of effect that will have on you. We all need to extend our hand to help people because you just never know what one action that you have, how that might save that person's life, right? Because I had that person 
And even before the prof professor, there are some relatives, you know, sympathize with me in my situation and then and, and, and try to help me out too. You know, you, you, even though you might say, well, I can't really help this person because I don't have this, I don't have that. Just even being sympathized with the, the person is helpful. There's a lot of, don't limit yourself because you have a lot of potential within you to be able to be, to able to extend a hand to someone to, to help them pull this person up to the place where um, they might be able to see, they might be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's why I think these buy nothing now groups are a real treasure. Yes. And it sounds like that was the communication method that you used to reach yes. people where yes. you live in Skyway. Mm -hmm. um, you think that, oh, this is junk. I, I, I don't know if anybody will like this, but actually you don't know until you put it out there and that might be the treasure to someone. One thing I do is that I make sure that I deliver it always. That's one thing that I actually help people. I'm always thinking, what can I do to help people's you know, lives? And then what can I do to make it easier? So whenever I, I post something to forgive, um, I do make sure that I, I would deliberate so people yeah. don't have to stress out about picking up. That's so great going the extra mile. Before we close, I want to make sure that we spend some time explaining why you are the founder and CEO of Task KI. When I learned about it, it sounded like it's this tool for working parents to outsource temporary child support. Yeah. And in order for it to be effective, you've got to build trust with each other in your right. community. That, that that is so important yes. to, to show up and to follow through on what you say you're going to do. I was actually reading um, something that you had written there that, that any effective community can be built only when people follow through with what they say they're going to do. Yes. And so how are you able to do that with Task AI? So this is a new um, app that I just came on live in last, toward the end of last year. And after, well, basically the whole year, the 2020, I did a lot of uh, thinking about this, the community building. And with my own experience, and again, most recent experience really taught me in order for the community to thrive, and become a strong, trusted community, commitment is, is such a huge ingredient, along with the trust and the personal responsibility. If you want to become a member of the community that can be effective, it really it is up to you that how much commitment and trust you can provide to other people, not vice versa. Because then on top of that, you really need to have a, a like-minded people coming together. So if you do all of us commit to provide, to be able to demonstrate that you are a trustworthy person yourself, and naturally there's other people come along. Do I have that right now? No, I don't. 
this is my dream that I'm going to be building this year. And this is my aspiration. And right now I am looking for like-minded childcare providers who wants to go above and beyond to help working parents. Because with this app that, I, that I, they can use, they should be able, they are, they will be able to provide better community for the working parents who can rely on each other without breaking the bank. So the, my dream is really to have this built community for the working parents so that they act like an extended family. You know, when you can, you can call your mom, say, hey, mom, I really need to get this done. Can you come over and, and do this? And that type of like easy access, but built by the unrelated people, but I still have a same common goal. So that's my mission to go out there and find them and then work with them to help working parents. Because when working parents are happy, the kids are happy. And when kids are happy, they grow to be a good, responsible individuals in the society. And I think you said something really key there that touched my heart. And it was that if you need some support, like just to go get your hair done or go to the grocery store without carting around your young child, Anyone who is living in the community with their family can just go, hey, mom, hey, sister, hey, uncle. And, and here you are, having left all of your family very, very, very far away. And so it makes perfect sense to me that here you are building something that's of service to you mm-hmm. because of your unique set of circumstances. And yet... It's not so unique. Right. That people are raising their children without their families. Mm-hmm. It does make childcare a little more tricky and the need to rely on your, your trusted community and neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so how do you build that? I admire that you're putting this product into the world that's of personally of service to you. And that's what the world needs is just more people to show up. Right with the thing that lights them up and be a beacon Mm -hmm. and be a beacon to draw others who need the same thing. So I, I applaud you. I applaud you and the work that you're doing. Thank you. What I need is one, there's a one childcare provider who believes in me, believes in that and then wants to do together. I mean, to help working parents and I can do it. Let's find you that one person. Yes. <laughs> I will. We'll share, we'll share this episode and see if we can find a supportive working parent who believes in this model. I'll put a link to Task KI in the show notes of the episode yeah. so that people can find you. Great. Thank you for your big heart. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was such a joy to talk to you. After I stopped recording... Kanako said she'd love more people to join her in the pay it forward movement. Not only does it bring joy into someone's life, but the collective effort when focused on a local business could make the difference of surviving the pandemic. 
She really is a model for going the extra mile and demonstrating how one person can inspire others to participate in random acts of kindness. It's remarkable to me that what got her there was a desire to build trust in her community, trust that is essential in order for shared childcare to be possible. She told me about her special needs son and what a challenge and gift it can be. And listening to her, I got a better understanding of her purpose. Giving to others because of what others gave to her. And to come to America alone at 20? No wonder she wants to be a part of a village that raises their children together. Without the health and wealth of our children, a nation wouldn't go on. It makes so much more sense to me to be raising our families together. All of the generations of the family. Kanako grew up with her grandma and grandpa and uncles all under the same roof. And where I grew up in Canada, that just wasn't the way. It was siloed nuclear families separate from previous generations. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to community living. It's what I'm trying to move into, not away from. If we could collectively raise each other's children and care for our elders and let everyone do more of what they're good at, Let the bakers bake, let the gardeners grow the garden, let the artists do the arting and the decor, let the engineers and the scientists in our community build the sustainable systems for renewable energy so that more groups of people can live together off-grid. I know it might seem idyllic or reminiscent of a hippie lifestyle, But I got to tell you, it just gets more and more appealing to me with every passing year. Not only from an economic standpoint, but from a social one as well. Getting back to that idea of wanting backup. This year, the past, gosh, 10 months, 11 months of lockdown. I know I've had time, so much time to reflect on what's important. And it's changing the way I view my relationship with my parents in Canada and my sister and her kids and wanting to be a more significant part of their life wanting to be a part of of their aging, of their experiences, to be with them, not just have a a once-a-month phone call, but be closer, to cook together, to even acts of service, cleaning their house, going on errands. I'm really feeling the separation. And I imagine a lot of you might relate to that. 
And so what does it look like to get closer to our people? In closer physical proximity. That's something I'm working on. As soon as those borders open up, I'm going to be knocking on my parents' door. How about you? What's the first thing you're going to do? How are you going to connect? I've certainly had friends with distant relatives need to lean on nearby support for occasional breaks. So if you are a parent and would appreciate peer support, check out Kanako's app, Task KI. As for me and this Pink Noise weekly broadcast, I've set an intention to connect with more voices from the BIPOC community. That's Black, Indigenous, people of color. To diversify the stories offered here for the purpose of having a broader perspective to this wide, wild world of ours. My identity as a middle-aged, young-spirited, cisgendered white female tends to attract similar folk in my Pacific Northwest bubble of North America. But my curiosity is vast, and my desire is to talk with more individuals who are lit up by following the thread of aliveness in their life. This is a shared platform. So hit me up if you know someone who'd want to be my guest. Next week, I have the pleasure of talking with my favorite spiritual Sherpa, Heather Fantine, the one who guided me out of the darkness following my marriage split back in the fall of 2016. This time, we're traversing the taboo topic of death in the most loving way possible. We believe that planning for your eventual departure while you are fit and capable is the most divine act of love possible. Join us next week for this courageous deep dive. Until then, keep mining and shining the gold within. Thanks for listening.